Welcome to Living Chic with Plastic, the podcast that highlights marine plastic pollution and explore future sustainable relationships with plastic. On this podcast series, we welcome young people involved in marine plastic litter research, prevention programs, cleanup activities, and other advocacies. We listen to their first-hand experience, different challenges they may be facing, and draw important insights toward possible solutions for this issue. I'm your host, Hera Diani, and this podcast is brought to you by the Regional Knowledge Center for Marine Plastic Debris of the Economic Research Institute for ASEAN and East Asia, or ARIA. Our guest for this episode is Jed Catherine Emily Palomar Castro. She's a materials engineer based in Manila. Ms. Castro specializes in plastic recycling technologies, upcycling technologies, and shifting to the circular economy. I'm interested in helping create a more environmentally sustainable world driven by material knowledge, she said. Lately, she has shifted more into the community engagement and development side in order to help create the supply chain for post-consumer plastic waste. So thank you for uh, agreeing to um, talk uh, on this podcast. So um, so why did you choose to study material engineering? I went to Philippine Science High School where um, we're required to pick a science course when we graduated. I knew I didn't want to go into any of the pure sciences. I was drawn into materials because um, it felt like the best intersection of all other sciences since materials are so foundational and they're everywhere. And there's a little bit of physics, a little bit of chemistry. As a person, I'm like the type to look at things and wonder how they work or how they were made. And studying materials engineering has really helped me make sense of the world around me and like how these materials are made, where they started and how they were processed into what we're seeing and using now. So Uh, interesting. So then how did you become interested in plastic waste issue? Uh, So my my mother was a longtime consultant for Greenpeace. She would always come back home with so many brochures and flyers and all the educational materials. So growing up, I was like really big into sustainability and um, saving the earth. Um, and then in college, uh, going through the materials engineering course, I knew I wanted to work into towards sustainable material alternatives. So my thesis was actually on um, green biosynthesis of nanoparticles, which was an alternative to high energy and dangerous chemical processing. But I really started learning more about plastics uh, when I interned at a local manufacturing plant that makes recycled products. Uh, This is Sentinel Upcycling Technologies in the Philippines. Hmm. And the more that I got exposed on the challenges that we were facing locally and also like in the learning about the similar challenges the countries in Southeast Asia were also facing. I saw myself continuing to work on it. Mm. And I really like being apply, being able to apply my background as a materials engineer in developing better systems. So I felt like it was a good intersection for my mm. like love for sustainability and being able to use materials engineering. Right, right. And you work as a materials engineer specializing in plastic recycling technologies. Uh, Could you tell us what does the job entail? So the company started shifting into making 
proprietary products, which means they designed um, their own instead of subcontracting. Which they also decided to make um, a more sustainable line that uses and incorporates more recycled materials. So my job as a materials engineer is basically doing research and development. I look into what possible post-consumer plastic waste can be used. Um, and then I can try to figure out if it is uh, comparable to products that we're already making. So that's basically what the product development side of recycling plastics is. Mm, interesting. So um, many of us didn't know uh, probably that uh, about much about plastic recycling technologies. Could you tell us like what are the breakthroughs in plastic recycling technologies in like the past a few years? A lot of people think that recycling is a new thing, but plastic industries have been recycling um, within what they've been using for basically a long time. Mm -hmm. But what is rather new is using post-consumer sourced plastics. Another new thing is that in Philippines, our National Solid Waste Management Commission has a guide um, that categorizes different types of recyclables. And under that guide, they have a special category that is residuals with potential for recycling. Under that special category are um, included our bubble wraps, thin grocery bags, um, tarpaulins, the thick ones that are made with PVC, and uh, multi-layer composite sachets. So as you well know, sachets are widely used in Southeast Asia for single-use um, applications. So in our company, we're able to recycle some of those, collect and buy back sachets from um, organizations that divert them from landfills. And we also are able to recycle bubble wraps, um, thin grocery bags, uh, shopping parcels. Um, during the pandemic, there was a huge boom in um, thin plastic packaging. So we've been working on trying to recycle those and we've been able to successfully incorporate those into our products. How do you see the these plastic waste issues in the Philippines? Um, well, plastic is really a big, <laughs> big issue, but as a materials engineer, I know that it's beneficial and it's a it's a material mm. and materials just exist. They're not like inherently bad or evil. They just are. <laughs> so it's really more of how do we use these responsibly? So that's that's one of the things we have to figure out with um materials. How do we sustainably manage, um, produce and consume it? so that it isn't like harming the environment. In terms of plastic recycling, what is the situation with plastic recycling in the Philippines? I mean, what are the challenges and what do you think should be done to address them? The statistic I always reference when I give presentations is this material flow analysis uh, study done by WWF in the Philippines in 2019. So they analyzed the plastics that are coming into the country being used and exported 
So of all the plastics in the country, um, 33% end up in landfills, 35% end up in the open environment. So this is our oceans, our rivers, um, our small creeks and waterways, and only 9% is recycled. So, um, so it's 9% versus 33 plus 35. Mm -hmm. I'm not the best at math, <laughs> but I know the numbers show that we have a great opportunity to divert the, the plastics that are going to landfills and our waters and increase recycling rates instead so we can keep them in the material economy. Okay. Um, you asked about the challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest challenge, I think, for the Philippines is logistics mm. because we're made of 7,000 plus islands. Uh, so the cost to transport it between islands is a huge barrier. Um, when I spoke to the National Solid Waste Management Commissioner, uh, he said that the reason we don't have a national collection list for recycling is because local markets vary too much per island. So for example, some islands don't recycle glass. Some islands don't accept... Uh, metals for recycling. So I think a way to solve that is coordinating the back logistics mm -hmm. because materials don't end up in those islands by themselves, right? So I hope that uh, that will be implemented through our new Extended Producer Responsibility Act, which was enacted last year in August, I believe, 2022. So... I hope that the companies that are responsible for bringing their products into those islands are also able to help bring them back for recycling. Uh, another challenge is probably education. Varying messages from different um, organizations and uh, different labeling on packaging can confuse people. Um, so when people look at plastic products, there's usually the resin identification code, the number inside the triangle, but with, with chasing arrows there. Mm -hmm. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're able to recycle it, especially locally. Um, luckily, that is a challenge that is supposedly being worked on through the Philippine National Standards. Um, I'm hoping to give my input on that also later this year. So that's one of the challenges. Thank you. Um, I Google your name online and I found that you once started a petition to ban <laughs> green colored PET plastic bottles in the Philippines. What drove you to start the petition? Okay. Um, so in my experience, asking people for what is being collected um, I found out that there are no local buyers for green or colored PET bottles. So in the Philippines, you will normally see it reused as decorations. So they turn it into paroles during Christmas. They turn it into Christmas trees. Um, some use it as hanging pots for their garden. So because they can't um, recycle it, they just reuse it, which isn't bad. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a big problem if you're mm. if you keep producing these bottles and selling them and they're not 
they're not collected back so most of them end up in landfills anyway yeah so that's why i started the petition um because i saw when i searched it i saw that south korea was able to successfully ban mm. um colored plastics because colored plastics can contaminate the recycling especially if you're turning it from bottle to bottle so you want the bottles to stay transparent and clear and adding a colorant will obviously make it contaminated mm. so that's basically why so was the petition successful has it any impact on the problem with uh, green colored pet plastic bottles uh yeah so i checked uh just now <laughs> and i was able to get 1129 signatures which is great because i didn't really promote it outside of like posting on facebook it doesn't have any impact on the greater I, it hasn't reached like any on the manufacturing level but that's okay with me because it doesn't have to um these small petitions or choice actions it's enough to start the discussion and raise awareness um so it got a few people talking and asking more questions i was glad to like answer whatever they wanted to know more about Mm. So have you tried to like talk with the authorities to discuss with uh, uh, on these issues about green color PT? I haven't elevated it yet because I am not sure how to like step up to the policy side mm. of things beyond hello um education awareness. Right. I'm currently working on learning how to like lobby more effectively okay um interesting about petition um it's a good start right if, when you want to st um, start an activism uh, but uh, many people are cynical about petition calling it like part of selectivism or reducing social actions to having members that a list of um email addresses rather than engage people. What do you think about such criticism on petition, especially online petition? Yeah, uh, I think I think it's a valid criticism. There's a term that I recently heard. It's called being chronically online. <laughs> it's the condition of people just being like attached to their screen and living in their own bubble of understanding how things are just based on what other people who are just as online say. So when people are chronically online, they use a phrase, go touch some grass. Right. It's basically, I, I think it's great all around advice mm. because it's, it's a good way to ground yourself back to reality. So I think activism is performative when it stops um, on your keyboard. Mm. But, Yeah, so social media, it's the same as any tool, and the effectiveness depends on the person using it. But it should be like a good first step to awareness, mm. and then people should go out and see what the reality is and uh, learn more about what the what communities are doing to address these issues. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. be involved <laughs> and you said that you have shifted more into the uh, community engagement and development side to help create 
the supply chain for post-consumer plastic waste. So could you tell us more about that? Yeah, so actually, since I was shifting into that, um, we had to hire another materials engineer to help mm -hmm. me um, to help alleviate some of my old tasks so I can focus on this new side of advocacy. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so this happened while I was working on recycling. I got to meet with our different community partners who would help us divert the plastics that would have otherwise gone to landfills or the oceans. And as I learned more about the bigger picture, particularly in the framework of um, circular economy, I saw that there were gaps in our solid waste management systems that needed to be addressed in order to actually get more post-consumer plastics. So we were receiving plastics, but they weren't um, in the good condition. They weren't properly separated. So I saw like we can do more to help educate these people. Um, during the pandemic, uh, when we weren't really going to work, our factories weren't operating because the government said everyone stay in their house. Um, but my my village, um, they were like kind of sick of being in the house. <laughs> so they started a community garden and they also Where had is it? this. Sorry. Uh, my village is in Quezon City mm. in the Philippines, in Metro Manila. Yeah. So they started the community garden and they also had this idea of adopting a drop the plastic event. So that's the name of the um the recycling collection. So people would bring in their recyclables and the people running the community garden would try to get reusable plastics so that they could use those for seedling pots for the garden. Yeah, but when like the first few days that they announced that we were collecting recyclables, I just saw that people were starting were bringing in all kinds of waste. So I saw that that I was in a unique position to help like educate my own neighbors because I had a background in um recycling. So yeah, that's basically how I started my advocacy, Ideal Materials PH. I developed educational guides. Mm. Um, some volunteer students reached out to me because they saw that there was, they saw this advocacy and they were like, oh, how can we help? So they helped me make videos, um, started campaigns, including the petition to ban colored PET, just general call to action. I'm inviting people to join events. Um, yeah. I used my learnings and experiences from this advocacy to supplement the work that I was already doing as mm -hmm. a materials engineer in recycling. And it's paid off. It's led to so many um, collaborative projects, including those with um, multilateral organizations like USAID, their Clean Cities of Blue Oceans, um, UNDP, um, UN Habitat with their mm -hmm. Healthy Ocean Clean Cities initiatives. Yeah, so that's that's my journey. <laughs> what are your suggestions for young people who want to get involved in this uh, plastic waste issue? Um, one, I think, is to visit, visit your local MRF collection, Materials Recovery Facility site, and visit a landfill. 
you have to see for yourself like the scale and magnitude of the plastic waste that we are dealing with if you don't already live by a body of water that is polluted because um many many young people are aware because if they live by the river if they live by the ocean they will see that the plastics are coming up there otherwise if you're in the city go to visit your landfill i think that's one important step to contextualize the problem the next is to look up local um, civil society organizations or non-government organizations that are involved in sustainable material management. So they usually try to address plastic pollution, pollution in oceans, um, solid waste management, and recycling. There are so many. Um, one is the Break Free from Plastic Initiative. They always do brand audits, and they do regular coastal cleanups. So that's another way to be involved. And if you want to be involved long-term, go into materials engineering. <laughs> <laughs> Help make better plastic alternatives. Mm. Oh, interesting about plastic alternatives. Um, I mean, yeah, there are some dis debate about it that um, not really a good alternative it's not really biodegradable um so like the 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 only way to do it is really to produce less plastic what do you think uh, as a materials engineer i mean i'm trying to understand also about this issue but this uh, plastic mm. alternative in my perspective um we still want to follow the waste management hierarchy so mm -hmm. at the top is reduce as much as possible. And whatever we are not able to reduce, reuse, um, recycle, and then recover as much as possible so that they don't go into disposal. So we still follow that general framework for using plastics. Um, again, I know that there are some plastics you just really can't replace because of um, their use and it's not economically feasible but like I said it's all also a matter of economics so if we further push for sustainable alternatives um, then hopefully the producers will invest in that and that will be the new norm mm. because plastics are so prevalent because they are cheap to produce so if we're able to somehow tip the scales and make um, the sustainable options affordable and accessible to everyone, then it would be great. In the circular economy framework, um, generally, we want also to like lessen just the plastic that is unnecessary. So for example, grocery fruits being wrapped individually in plastic, that's just not necessary. Mm. So I think plastic has its applications and necessary use, but when there are alternatives or if we can refuse to use them, we should. So are you moving uh, to the U.S. or? Uh... Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm just here for about six weeks. Mm. So I'm part of the Young Southeast Asian Leaders Initiative. Ah. So the Department of the United States. Right, um, right. Hence fellows of, from Southeast Asia 
um, to different cities here mm -hmm. in the United States to learn more about what they're doing, what their best practices are, so we could bring it back to Southeast Asia and try to help implement and create change. Right now, I'm placed in Oregon, uh. and Oregon is one of the nation's leader, leading states in terms of recycling. So last year, they created a Plastic Pollution and Recycling Modernization Act, and then they also passed a bottle bill. I don't mm -hmm. know how long ago, but they have a really high recovery rate for plastic bottles. It's around like 90% according to the person I met mm -hmm. who was handling it. So it's a really good, really good example of how recycling can be. Mm. So how do you plan to like, um, yeah, apply this into when you back home? Yes, yes, definitely. So I was luckily lucky enough to be able to schedule a meeting with um their state Department of Environmental Quality mm -hmm. and they have a materials management program and I was able to meet with their the people heading that division who wrote and made studies reports on what are good um, frameworks that they can use to sustainably manage all materials within the, the state. So it's been a great learning experience. And I definitely have a lot to take back to the mm. Philippines. That's great. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. Don't forget to check our website rkcmpd-area.org Follow us on our social media on Twitter and Instagram at rkcmpd underscore area our facebook is at rkcmpd.area and on linkedin regional knowledge center for marine plastic debris see you on the next episode of living chic with plastic <laughs>